gets colder My eyes go thin as I get older Piece in pieces Bloody and bruised I feel so helpless and confused Cause I hear screaming on the left Yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my life Cause I can't stop the walk Good afternoon. Welcome to Trish and Evie's Focus on the Facts. Today we have a special show and moving on with our movement to take down the global pedophile network. I'm going to bring Trish on right away because she recruited our special guest and I want her to introduce him and tell us a little bit more about him. Welcome to the show, Trish. Hi, Evelyn. I'm so Hello. glad we can were you, able it, to... Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, John Paul Rice is joining us today, and as you have been doing for many years now, um, having guests on that can uh, speak to the issue of the child rape and trafficking crisis that we're facing. So um, John Paul Rice is a member of a production company, No Restrictions Entertainment, and the goal of the company, as he described it, and I'll let him tell you more, is to tackle uh, topics that mainstream and Hollywood would never touch. So uh, thus, he was willing to do this project on child sex trafficking, which is so rare and so welcome, <laughs> given how difficult it is to uh, get people to come forward and talk about this. So um, why don't we bring him on now? Uh, John, are you, are you on the line with us? Yes, I'm here. Uh, thank you, Patricia, and thank you, Evelyn, for having me on today. It's a real honor. Well, why don't you start? I'm yes, sorry, I didn't you, hear that. Why don't you Why don't you tell the story, which I think is really helpful to to lead in with about your work and how it was that you came to partner and create this. Uh, production company focused specifically on these types of topics and then maybe tell us about how this particular um, movie came into being. Certainly. Well, um, No Restrictions Entertainment was formed in 2008 with myself and a writer-director, Edgar Michael Bravo. Uh, He was a writer-director from UCLA. And uh, prior to that, I had been out in Los Angeles for about five or six years working for an independent film production company called Senator International, where I started as a, I guess you could say, a grunt of all sorts. Uh, We would answer phones and read scripts and give coverage on them. I took a particular interest in the creative field of producing because of the stories that I read and also growing up as a child, seeing movies that emotionally impacted me all throughout my young adult life. And so um, what happened in short was a combination of unfortunate events at the time that actually turned to be something really wonderful in the end. And that was the disappointment of having worked on a film to try to raise money for over three and a half to four years get to the point where we were almost there at the finish line of getting all of our funding 
and being able to start on a $5 million feature film with a couple of A-listers in, in, in L.A. and having all of that fall apart over the course of a weekend. Uh, that was really hard. And so Edgar and I, we, we thought about it a little bit more carefully as to what our path forward was going to be. And he said, John, this year we're going to make a movie. We ourselves are going to make a film. We're going to put our own money into it. We're going to find the people who want to invest in it, but we're going to make it. And it came to us that there was a story over that summer of a young girl working in Hollywood as a no-sex call girl, uh, something I've never heard of before. Uh, and which yeah, I have never heard of that before either. Right. And it Go was, ahead, I'm sorry. It was, uh, yeah, and it was it was very bizarre because you know any for anyone who uh, can think of L.A. or knows L.A., uh, there are many avenues for women to make money in the field of pornography, prostitution, and stripping. And this girl, what was most interesting about it was two things. Number one, she did fantasies out of a motel in Hollywood for $150 an hour, where there was no kissing no nudity, and no sex. And so your mind just kind of goes, well, who would pay for that? But you'd be surprised. Uh, and the other part about it was the boundaries and the empowerment, both the power that people sought in her and the ones that she sought power in, because she was struggling underneath that veneer of toughness there was a, a very broken person inside and a very sweet and beautiful person inside that you would never assume was doing this. And then you began to question as to why that happened. So that story came to us. Edgar and I sat down, met with her and her business partner, and we came up with a script called One Hour Fantasy Girl. So we ended up shooting that year and releasing online right after the financial crash of 2008. And in spite of that, we did extremely well online with DVDs and rentals. We became the top drama selling on Amazon for, I think, three months in a row, right up there with um, the King's Speech and others. Uh, it, was a, it was a very big, critical hit in the independent film world. And that motivated us to keep going with these kinds of stories, some of which uh, weren't really fictional in terms of our concept, it was usually based on someone we had known or an article we had read or a combination thereof in the press or media or even in books. And it helped us to go deeper into some of these issues that we were seeing that never really were being addressed in an honest and full way in Hollywood. Very rare, at least. And our motivation was to continue this pursuit of taking on topics as they inspired us to write something about them, to be able to articulate that into a feature film narrative that is not like a documentary where you have interviews and subjects and facts, but one that engages you on an emotional level through the narrative, through the character's journey through their stories and their own internal struggles outside of the issue, but yet all lead you and kind of disclose this information along the way to create something that is compassionate, that's empathetic, 
and it has heart. And, and so we took that and our approach to it and have explored everything from drama, romance, sci-fi, thriller, supernatural, uh, and, and a combination of other genres to create these movies that are very unique, very poignant, and have an emotional impact, at least that's what we hope to aim for, so that when the viewer walks away from them, they feel like they've learned, not only learned something, but they feel inspired to do something, whether it be in their own personal life or something outside of themselves in their community. And so Sounds like a wonderful project. <laughs> Go ahead, Trish. I, so, so when? How was it that you um, came to, to create this script? You said it sounds like it happened so fast when you guys decided to go forward with this particular project yeah. of a child's voice, and um, I, I thought that was interesting. I, I, you know, always think of these films as being very long, painstakingly produced project, but um, it sounds like that it can happen in a much faster timeline when you yeah. don't have all the burdens of a bureaucracy holding you back, I suppose. Yeah, that's a very big one, and uh, I'll just say this, you know, I haven't worked in the studio system for years, but my friends who tell me about that are, it's how, whoever has the most power is the one that's guiding your project. That's really the, the simplest way to put it. So for us, what we wanted to do is we, <laughs> I don't mean this in a cliche or kind of ironical way, but no restrictions really was that. We, we could decide, no restrictions entertainment, we could decide what we wanted to do and how we wanted to tell it. And so with this project, Trish, specifically A Child's Voice, which is a story that deals specifically with child sex trafficking, human trafficking, we, we, in short, how we came about this project was, I would say, several events over the last three years. Number one was the election, uh, both the primary and the election of Donald Trump, the disclosure of WikiLeaks and the Podesta emails, the yes. cover-up of the activities that were going on with uh, James Elephantis and the Podesta brothers, uh, whether you want to call it pizza gate or not, that's not really my focus on this. It just happens to be that I looked objectively at the information that was being presented to me. Then I looked at the associations of the people who were involved. And then I looked further extensions outside of that, and I started to see a pattern of behavior, a pattern of association. Uh, and I kind of put it behind me a little bit until... In January of 2017, all throughout this summer, I started looking at the alternative media more seriously, more carefully for information, just for answers. I went back in time. I looked at the movement of the populist movement in this country uh, over decades. I looked across all sectors of information about the government and the secrets of our government, uh, the secrets of the wealthy, the elite how the world could be getting to a place where, uh, for the majority of us, all of the things that we had elected people to fix or take care of, all of our systems, uh, from the water, the, the, the plants, the, 
animals, the trees, every everything was in decline. Our 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 bee, you know, our bees in decline. Uh, but water and increase of war and increase of poverty and increase of starvation and death, unnecessarily so, and eventually it came back to this issue of human trafficking as well. And so it was the alternative media, and I really do want to say this, this movie would not have been possible without the online alternative media comprised of non-establishment reporters, YouTubers and citizen journalists like Tracy Beans, The Honey Bee, Victorus Libertas, and others who contribute to dig and refuse to shut up about these child trafficking networks and their ties to the establishment. And we bought books, the Franklin Scandal book. We brought uh, The Unspeakable about the death of JFK. And we started to, and others as well, but we started to put together sort of a bigger picture of this trajectory since post-World War II of where everything was going. Of course, there's a whole bunch of historical data that can go back hundreds of years as well. But the more important thing about all of this was that the turning point, the turning point that said where for us, it was like a lightning rod of clarity was the interview series that was done by a Dutch media channel on Ronald Bernard, who was a former insider who had come forward after being away for years and having to have gone through massive amounts of recovery to tell the truth about what it was like being on the inside, being invited into this group of 8,000 to 8,500 people who essentially run the world. And he had described it in detail as to how they do it. The devaluation of currencies, all the wars that are being financed, all of the murders, the political assassinations, the overthrows of government, all the things that you and I see happening and have seen happen for many, many years through the American viewpoint, right? But he was right. talking about it on a much bigger level. And the, ter- the, the moment that was his breakdown moment was when he was invited into the church of Satan or Luciferian belief system, and he was offered to murder a child as a right. sacrifice. And he couldn't do it. And he started rejecting his assignment, and he slowly began to pull himself out and away from it, and began what I would consider today is a spiritual journey to move towards a better, more compassionate, more empathetic, and loving world. So the combination of those factors and those individuals uh, was the conduit to making this film and this story possible where Edgar was over in Australia at the time, we were trying to get another big project off the ground, and he called me up and he said, John, this is our next film, this is what we're doing, start casting, get ready, because when I get back, we're going to go. And he wrote the outline within, I think, less than a week, maybe two or three days, if I recall correctly, and within one to two weeks, he had the first draft of the script, and that's the fastest that's ever happened in all of our productions together, both the scripts that he's written before that we haven't produced and the ones that we have. It has never happened that quickly before. And um, and by the time we started casting in August, we were shooting in October. And, uh, wow. <laughs> that's incredible. You know, one of the things, um, I don't know if you had seen in reference to Ronald Bernard, was he's Dutch, and Queen Beatrix, 
is known for her human hunting parties in which children are set out in the woods and hunted down and raped and tortured and um, sometimes later consumed. And um, I don't know if you had seen that her, the, the new, the queen, is it um, Mark, not Margaret, what is it? She, her sister recently mm-hmm. committed suicide um, right at the same time that supposedly Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And it was hanging as well as were hanging by a doorknob, Kate Spade right? and Anthony Bourdain. And this, was, this happened right around the time, too, as well, when in the weeks leading up to the June 21st event where the, the International Tribunal Commission was attempting to, ex, uh, to execute the warrants for arrest on individuals along with Queen Beatrix who were found guilty of crimes against children in a mm-hmm. set of tribunals that they held. <clears throat> had you heard about the, the had uh, Ronald ever had, I know that you guys have been in touch, but um, mm-hmm. had you ever had any communications with him about any of that or, or was it um, not quite as extensive, the opportunity to talk about that stuff? Well, so, yes, to, to answer your point, I am aware of those uh, events and the allegations that have been made. And when I say allegations, that doesn't mean I, I discount that there is some truth to them. Um, Ronald Bernard and I have been in contact for the last couple of months. He has seen the film, uh, A Child's Voice, uh, and he wrote us a personal note stating that not only was he moved by it, he was most moving part for him was the culmination of the entire film, but the last scene in the movie, which I'm not giving it away, but it's symbolic of making the promise to the child that we will help them. And, and uh, I respect that man so much, uh, not only for his courage, but the inspiration behind where this is all leading for us to awaken. And what I mean by that is, Ronald is open enough of a human being, a full human being, to understand that what created that monstrosity in him was his own child abuse that was inflicted upon him as, as, as a young person. And it gave him... Is that him right? A point I, I wasn't of, aware of that. Yeah, he recently uh, talked about this on the panel at the International Tribunal of Justice more clearly about how he was raped repeatedly as a child um, by priests. And it, it, it seeded in him a hatred of life because all that he had known was torment and abuse and darkness. And it's really not all that surprising. I mean, people talk about how can somebody even conceive of doing such a horrific thing to a child. But what we often forget sometimes, or, or let's just say the narratives that don't make their way into the mainstream, is very, it's very clear. In fact, there's a book I would recommend your audience today read or at least check out. It's called For Your Own Good by Alice Miller, 
who took the time to go through Hitler's documented experiences through childhood, the beatings of his stepfather, Alois, the near-death experiences that he had, how his mother passively allowed for that to happen. And you listen to all of his grandiose statements. I'm talking about Hitler. When he came to power, when he had the, um, the full, uh, full control, and he played his childhood out to a T in both his words and actions and deeds. Um, these are these are these people who are monsters are not making choices. They are compulsive choices that are part of the makeup of who they are, not what they're born with, but what is programmed in them from birth. And and so when I look at that documented uh, assessment through a an analyst who has committed her whole life to doing such things and draws connections to associations of prostitution, drug abuse, violent acts, sexual abuse, suicide, depression, on down the line, and is able then to look at somebody like Ronald Bernard and, talk, and him talk openly and say, this is why I felt the way I did. This is the way I thought about the world around me because of all the horrible things that I had to fight off as a child and believe and, and have to believe about people. And then he talks about these other people, the Luciferians, the elite, who hate all life on this earth. He is very clear about this. They hate everything about life. You and I, the planet, they are so dark, they are so consumed with whatever darkness that they are living in that all of us are uh, extinguishable or disposable or to be used. And so I guess that I, when, I, when all of that kind of came full circle and I looked at somebody like Ronald and I looked at other people on that panel, the SRA survivor, uh, Christy Allen, and what is most, and this is the thing that, you know, I know a lot of viewers or people listening today, it's just the, horror, the horrifying nature of all of this and to get down and feel despair. But I will tell you this, this is the thing that inspires me every single day that I wake up and I get happier and happier with each moment that I realize this and focus on it. That in spite of all of what Ronald went through, in spite of all of what Christy Allen went through, watching her, her Mormon bishop molest and, and rape her and worship Satan, and all of, all of this horrific crap happened to us, every single one of these people still wants to love, still wants to feel joy, still wants to feel pleasure, once they pull themselves out. Christy Allen is a satanic ritual abuse survivor who found a man nine years ago that she fell in love with and they're still together to this day. He knows everything about her. And, and that to me told me that the programming that comes out of the box, the out of the box operating system, when you and I and everyone on this earth is born as a little newborn baby, you just look at a baby and their face and how they react to pleasure and laughter. And then you go look at children and what they do when they play. It's effortless. And all we have right. to do is nurture that. That's all we have to do, nurture that and protect them from harm. That is our role as human beings on this planet, among many other things. But in terms of the most helpless and defenseless of our species, this is what we are commanded to do by the Creator, whatever you want to believe, if you want to believe in a God or a greater being, or just that we are here by some accident. 
that that is what in our bodies is there to do from day one going forward, and that that is what gives us so much strength and love and connection that you literally start to see all of the patterns in the establishment. And I'm not just talking about media, but everything that they try to do to sow division and hatred in people and confusion and anger. And, and yet love throughout, in spite of all of that, people still hold together. They still love. They want to love. They want to come together. They want to unite. So this to me was, was an awakening that came about by doing this movie by seeing other people tell their true story and become inspired by what was already inside of me to fight for that child in me that was silenced and muted and had been told it was not deserving of love, when in fact that's what all of us want who are not destroyed. Right. Well, I'm kind of like you, you know, and Chris is now too, that I've been at this every day for over three years now. In my radio show, every single week, it's, it includes, you know, the child sex trafficking and the MKUltra and, and all this stuff that's going on. But I'll tell you, it, it is getting to the point that things are so bad. You know, people don't pay attention to this because it is so appalling and so disgusting that they start reading an article or watching a video. They can't handle it. They just cannot stand to listen to this. And so they turn away. You know, and that's how they've gotten away with this for all these all these years. You know, that people just can't stand to even look at what you see. Well, yesterday I was knocked out of the ballpark because I read that indictment of that Joel Davis and all about him with little infants and toddlers and babies and stuff. And it knocked me right out of the ballpark for the day. I couldn't look at it anymore. It was just, I mean, I tell people, do you know what we're fighting against? See this? We're fighting against people that are raping babies. You know, and but I'm telling you, it gets to the point that I think everybody's like me. I I couldn't take it anymore yesterday after I read that indictment. It was like, but I I mean, today I felt much better, and and I prayed hard to God to get these demons out of my head, you know, because it it made me want to stop. It was just like I can't look at this anymore, you know. But that's what they want, you know. Yeah. That people like me won't be able to stand looking at it anymore. Well, I won't give up, but I was really bad yesterday. (laughs) It really did a number on me, too, Evelyn. It it was so graphic, but it also made me realize that given how much, you know, I had already seen and the fact that I was really jolted by the um, language he was using to describe what he had done, uh, it, it made it made me think all the more that, wow, you know, people need to understand because the stuff is so, and this is one of the reasons I love your film, um, John, is that, you know, you look at the coverage in the mainstream media of these arrests and it's, they say things like uh, um, sharing child pornography or attempting to entice a minor for sex. And it's like I think mm-hmm. for most people out there, they're thinking, oh, he was hitting on a 16-year-old, right? Or, you know, right. sharing uh, sex or something, right? But, you know, like Evelyn said, these are infants and toddlers. And it's just, it's, and they're not, they are raping these children. It's just yeah. horrifying. And yeah. so, 
I I get I you know, I definitely have moments where I can't handle it, but you know all the more reason why this film couldn't be more timely because you know we have this uh, indictment of Joel Davis coming out. He's mm-hmm. uh, there's still some question whether or not he's tied to Hillary Clinton, but he has you know, stated affiliations with Amnesty International. He supposedly is a Nobel Prize nominee. He did a TED Talk. Like, he's been he's been given a lot of access. And um, people need to understand, he, you know, he can't just get that access all by himself. You know, right. there are right. people Eric Schneider, who Eric Schneider did, that access. Eric Schneiderman did not attend to not the Attorney General of New York. Which shows their incompetence. By, or they know, do know exactly what he's about, and they're they're choosing to affiliate with him anyway. And, and Elizabeth Voss has really done a great job of sort of, you know, raising these questions about, you know, how is it that this young guy got where he is? And, you know, of right. course, I'm sure he was abused, but um, the, the film does, does attack and confront the, you know, the very dark aspect of this. Uh, and, and even with younger children, not, it doesn't, I don't believe there's any reference to babies in there, but um, no. It, no. it does it in a way, too. And as you mentioned previously, John, that it leaves you hopeful at the end that, you know, really, we, it's up to each of us. And, if, and even after I've been knocked down by some of this stuff, I think to myself about people like Ronald Bernard and Christy um, Allen and Fiona Barnett and what they've been through. And it's like, okay, I can handle, I can handle, you know, people thinking I'm an idiot or telling me I'm crazy because I won't stop talking about this if they're able to still get up every morning (laughs) and face the world after what they've been through. You know, it just makes you all the more determined to, to make their, what they've been through, um, you know, yield some good in in the world. And I, so you said you were done going to now look at doing a project that, that confronts the same satanic side of this, right? It's, and um, and what yeah. uh, some of what Ronald had talked about, he, what he saw. Yeah, so I want to, for, for the listeners, um, I just want them to understand that, you know, we for many of them who have understood people like Joel and others and, you know, going back over time and arrests and I mean, it, I, I completely and 110% agree that sometimes you just got to take a step back and just go, I, I, I know it's there. You know, I've had my fill today or for the week or whatever. Um, and then you bounce back, right? You kind of come back, not to necessarily dive back into it again, but to, to get your strength back up, right? To mentally and emotionally get back. Cause let me just tell you, it's, was not a pleasant experience researching this uh, and hearing the testimonies of people. I mean, there are many times that I had to turn away, uh, even if it was words, the ideas that were being talked about. Just, I mean, I have my limits too, right? We all do. We're, we're humans. It's a human response. 
to get sick, to feel ill, to, to not have uh, pleasant feelings inside that come through. So for, for the people that, that, that are listening to this and, you know, a little bit apprehensive about watching a movie that deals with this issue, please understand that, number one, there was no uh, child sexual abuse that was being uh, shown or promoted in this movie. Uh, this is a movie that handles this issue in a very deft way, and that's in, with careful consideration for the viewer involved, especially for people who are made, and really the people who don't know anything about this, who may see it for the very first time. And so the way we crafted the story was to engage you in the struggles of people and their lives before getting you directly involved into a whole movie that deals only in human trafficking, but really at the core of it is a love story between two very flawed people on the outside. One is a heroin-addicted uh, teenage boy who is alone and living on the street, and another is a girl who is, I mean, these are young adults in their early, late teens, early 20s. The other girl is a young woman who's trying to escape her abusive boyfriend after finding out that he has been uh, kidnapping and selling kids. And the two of them are these reluctant heroes that unite together through their love and care for one another. And it is that bond and that strength together that gives them the courage to stand up and defend the children in this movie. So I want, I want the viewers to know when you were talking, Patricia, about the, the, uh, the hopeful message, it's, it's not like I'm going to give you, you know, an hour of this darkness and then give you a little glimpse of hope at the end. My hope and my intention of this is that people get lost in the story and they see some things in there that are disturbing, truthful, but it allows the viewer to digest it in such a way that yes, there is a shock, but yes, there is a hope. And it does come back to that message, which is what can I do? And, and that part of it, I will say that I've been inspired by the words of John Rappaport, who did an incredible talk for an hour and a half on mind control in 2014. And it is probably one of the most heartfelt and beautiful messages, if I could recommend anybody to go to YouTube and look it up. Uh, because what he's saying is that the answer is in us, in the care and our imagination. Anything that you and I imagine anything that you and I can think of as a solution is going to be a hundred times better for certain. Even if you don't think your idea is that great, anything that you can imagine is better than this system, better than anything that they are capable of. Because the only thing that they know at a baseline is corruption and they can't go straight. They can't turn that around. That's not an act. That's who they are. And so they're extremely... They really can't turn themselves around, can they? No, they're not going to, they cannot, the people on the outside who are waiting for someone on the inside to find a solution to bring down the system are, in my view, mistaken or idealistic. And the only reason why I say that is because it's not about us storming the castle. It's about creating a standard of our society that we demand we want to live in. And that starts with us and how we treat our children. It starts with us and how we treat each other. This is not a battle. If you want to look at it as in, in the bigger sense, this is not a battle that is going to be won by anger and hatred or violence. It is going to be an overwhelming disinvestment from 
the system and a creation of a new one that is anything better than this. The people that are doing this, the thing that we are up against, and this is, I guess, something that I kind of came to the understanding last night. What we are up against in just from, from the lens of Hollywood, okay, but this is just the most visible one that I could give you. What we're up against is a system that promotes celebrity culture as a moral, uh, virtuous center of propaganda. This is the same system that has given cover and enabled a Harvey Weinstein for decades. That promotes John Legend, who I don't know him personally. I don't know what's on his heart and mind, but I know that he came up through the very same system that gave cover and enabling to a Harvey Weinstein and pedophile, and to this day still does. So the good news is, is that for the very first time, millions of people in the world saw behind that curtain, just like they did with the WikiLeaks. They saw behind that curtain what goes on, a little glimpse, and they were horrified, and they were angry. Now, my only concern is this. When I see these forces in the media try to stir this pot and try to anger and stroke fear in people that, like, the world is coming to an end, that the country is about to just, you know, go into a collapse, that we are turning into uh, Nazi Germany, that the people that supported Trump are Nazis. When you hear all of that kind of messaging and you ask yourself, well, why is it that they're doing that now? They should wait until the midterms, like a month before, to start all of this up. The question then becomes, what's coming next? This nightmare, in my view, is going to be revealed, but it has to be disclosed in such a very subtle and careful way because for the millions of the uninitiated out there, the ones that are programmed but they are good, decent people, right. don't know anything about this, they would be absolutely horrified and it'd be untold chaos as to what would happen. So my prayer is this for the world and for all of us that, and it doesn't mean you have to agree with this or, or, or think that this is the only way, but this system, when we talk about the charities and the organizations and the institutions and the icons and the personalities and all of the things that we have trust in that for years have been smiling to us with a straight face while lying and doing what they have done to children repeatedly for profit and for pleasure. We must hope, and I only can say this, that the enemy of my enemy is my friend here, that if Donald Trump is truly serious about taking on human trafficking, he's truly serious about these people that have infiltrated the government and the deep state that have been profiting off of this for years, he must do something to take them down. Otherwise, it will come out. It will come out. It will come forward with one or two people, and I don't know what will happen after that. Because those people who are going to be exposed are also going to fight intensely to keep their power. Because they cannot, they will not change. These people will not change. They cannot be reasoned with. They do want to destroy the world. That is true. And they can't do anything differently because, and, and when I say this is very simple, you say, well, that's, that's a conspiracy. I'm just sitting here going, this is what they do to kids. 
This right. is what they do to children. Do you think that they're going to then, that there's a hard line anywhere? That there is somehow that they're going to do right by you or me cross. or anybody else? Right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm saying it's got to be about what we can do. If, if my only hope is a president who, whether I agree with him or not, but if I'm counting on one man and a team behind him to take these people down, they have to have the most flawless program and plan in place because these individuals are not stupid. They are in some no. ways because of their corruption, but they're not stupid in terms of having mutually assured destruction. Right. Right. Well, and they've got, they've got you know, their sort of default strategy. Like, if, if, if all go, everything goes to shit, they've already sort of set up their, their safe haven and um, right. fully expect to be able to use them, where the rest of us are just sort of figuring out what's going on. <laughs> and so, obviously, we have no plan B other than, you know, we have, to, we have no option but to succeed in putting an end to what they're doing. I mean, and, and maybe yeah. that's a good thing that we don't have a plan B ourselves because uh, we won't take I for granted that... You know, if it doesn't work, if we if we don't succeed, it'll all be okay because it absolutely will not. <laughs> so, right. Well, I think um, I think the Hollywood celebrities must be really sweating about now with the latest coming out about uh, Weinstein paints and charges that oh, he yeah. could serve life yeah. in prison. You yeah. know, this is a wake up call to him. And that just came out today that I saw. Maybe it came mm-hmm. out yesterday, but I just saw it today. And I was and I said, boy, I'll bet you them Hollywood people are sweating right now. Oh, they are. They may not show it, but they are. They're very afraid because Harvey Weinstein is the beginning. And anybody who thinks that Hollywood is going to reform itself is is gravely mistaken. I don't put this on the backs of the actors and actresses who have come forward with the Me Too movement, which, you know, I I have an opinion about that. That's That's not what this is about. What I'm talking about is the people who run the system, and and looking at it more objectively is just simply this. If you create a system that rewards this kind of behavior and incentivizes it and and profits, profits being made because deals get done and everybody enriches themselves and gets more powerful, that's not a system that can reform itself. Those those people cannot then suddenly change. What we have to do is Harvey Weinstein does need to go to jail for life, and I, and I yep. think that, it, if anything, if Hollywood has any kind of chance, it should make these rules very clear. Number one is you get caught and convicted, you have a lifetime ban, you go to jail for life, and all of your residuals, the non-essential and the non-essential uh, profits, get seized and put into a fund that gets distributed to the victims directly. You would have an end to that behavior immediately. This is not going to be solved in, in an HR, uh, you know, the HR division of every corporation or some kind of rules that they put out there that say, well, we're not going to have as many meetings in the, uh, in the, in the hotels and, and, you know, we're, we're going to try to bring down the casting couch. You know, that, that to me is like, that's nothing. That has nothing to do with anything. That's like politely asking people who are compulsory predators to say, you know, could you just, you know, not make it so visible? Right. 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 Don't come to the award uh, shows no more. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, yeah. just, yeah, just, just don't show up. We don't have anybody going up on stage and pointing you out on a live audience. We don't need that. 
<laughs> well, I, I got off of TV and movies way back in the early 90s. So me and Trish talk, we don't even know who half these people are that we see in the media and stuff, you know, the stars and everything. And so, um, but I see this happening to Weinstein now, and, and I think that's the best thing that could happen, one of the top dogs. With the, saying he yeah. can go to prison for life, that, you know, and, and it won't stop them. I know that. I mean, they don't feel well, it. You, right. you, these people, they, they, the most extreme ones, which we probably don't even know about, and I, I, I could only tell you that the, the closest film that ever did anything to show it was Hostel 2, uh, that movie by Eli Roth. Uh, no, these people, the ones that are the most severe and sick, they, they is a bullet to the head or, or a military tribunal. That's what... Um, yeah, because Christy they've stacked Allen the courts, and they said, have all the money in the world to, to appeal and, and get out of it. Uh, the other day, and she was saying that there are a number of them that would choose to take a pill. That they, they you know, this is already something that's discussed and um, kind of, I guess, regularly. And, and she said that, you know, that most, there are very many of them who would choose to die first before being exposed like that. So, mm-hmm. um that it's really interesting. And one of the other things Christy said uh, about Hollywood was that when she was in the program back in 1953, I, or no, that was when her dad was, she was just somewhere around there, um, that there was an army base to which many of these child and young actors, entertainers would be brought to be both programmed and trained in whatever, you know, if they were singers or um, dancers or whatever they were, and they would go through all of their MK Ultra programming there, and then they would be used, like, for um, war entertainment, they would be mules, like drug mules and um, other stuff they would take into war zones and out of war zones, uh, very conveniently mm-hmm. under cover of the... Uh, entertainment industry which really interested me when she was talking about that so it sounds like though you know, Hollywood really is if it wasn't at first it certainly now is an extension of or an, a specific arm of this whole network and that mm-hmm. it's designed not only to to feed as a feeder system but to protect it yeah, I spoke with briefly uh, Matthew Valentis, uh, I think that's how you say his last name, who is one of the producers on An Open Secret, which is the documentary done by Amy Berg, I think it was three years ago, on uh, child pedophilia in, um, in Hollywood. Hollywood. Great documentary yeah. for anybody. It's free on Vimeo. Uh, I think it has over four or five million views now, and it's just growing in in scope and, and people discussing it online are organic and viral. Um, he said to me in a private message, uh, it's not a private, I don't want to say that. He said that they picked Hollywood as, as the first industry to go after because it was the most visible. Sure. And when he said that to me, it hit me and I, I just realized what that meant is to say that, yeah, there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of other places we could have gone, but this was the one we chose because it, it's got, it's, the, you say Hollywood to anybody and anybody knows this is what Hollywood is. And, 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 the, and the people and the personalities and, the, and the, you know, they're on TV all the time, they're in the theaters, 
and the celebrity culture is so big and so profitable for the media that um, it was just a no-brainer that that's where you could, you know, if you wanted to make your biggest impact would be people who are publicly visible and have a, a public persona or a perception of who they are. And I thought that was really telling when he said that line to me. Well, and I think it's projects like that, along with, you know, continued refusal to be quiet about it and um, insistence on reminding people about all these cases that have made it possible to get as far as we have with what's going on with Harvey Weinstein. Because I think Mm -hmm. in another era, you know, even just a few years ago, the guy would have just walked away with no Mm -hmm. consequences. And I really do feel strongly that it's it's just, you know, the everyday person continuing to show up and demand answers about this day after day that made the difference. Yeah, there is one thing that that you want to... That gets me so angry that we know all these people are pedophiles and everything, but they keep putting them out here on the mainstream media as pundits. You know, Ellen Dershowitz, they're constantly citing him in the mainstream media. And I get so mad by now that any of these politicians and stuff that are involved in this are pundits on on any show, TV show, or any talk or anything. I mean, this is so disgusting. They're walking around. We all know that they're pedophiles and what they've been doing. And they walk around like nothing's wrong and, like, putting out now that it's Hillary or Biden will be running in 2020. (laughs) <laughs> they got to be out of their minds. They put that pedophile Biden out there, and the rallies will be flooded with people screaming at him yeah. to get that pedophile yeah. out of here. But no, they, they I think walk around thinking we're going to put one of these pedophiles in the White House again. Yeah. No, I don't like that. I, I never did. I don't like any politicians. But the thing is, right. I am very impressed with his child trafficking arrest and everything. And, and I put the chart up that shows the difference between him in the last two years and Obama. Oh, yes. You know? Oh, yes. It's unbelievable. You know, so I respect well, Trump for this, what he's doing on this issue. That's for sure. Yeah. And I, you know, again, though, Evelyn, I agree. I think Trump being elected really was mm-hmm. an opportunity for so many people out there in law enforcement specifically who had been trying to prosecute these cases and been you know, shut down at every turn. And then once, once the public realized that and got behind them, I, I, see, I see the combination, like I see it as, a, as something that's building um, over time. That, and Trump was a really important um, uh, catalyst for that, you know, just getting Hillary out of the way <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. you know, bringing attention to it the way that he has, has been enormous. And then, but again, I, I really heavily credit the people out there who show up every day and are doing research and, you know, digging up the truth on this stuff because they can't hide anymore. You saw what Howie, Pizzagate Howie did to Joe Biden. Like, those guys can't go out in public anymore, which is great. Yeah. They need to be called out. Well, I, I want to I piggyback on that. Uh, if you Paul, last happened, week, go ahead. Last week, Paul, we had this uh, this guy on the show, um, Ben Shimkus, 
And he told us about, I said when that next next sex cult broke, that that was going to bring down the elite, because I could tell they were all involved in this. And he came on the show when he went to a Nexum party back in 2007. And who was at that party? Um, uh, Anthony Weiner, his wife Puma, James Elefantis of Pizzagate fame, uh, Eric Schneiderman. Um, who else Who else was there, Trish? A couple other people. Uh, these well, people are there. Brian Porter was there, the guy who just got arrested for for illegal experiments. But, oh, uh, Allison Mack was there. Stormy Daniels was there. Stormy Daniels, yeah. So these people, all the way back in 2007. So this is how long, you know, I said it when it came out, this was going to expose the elite, but I never thought I would get somebody like this that attended a party would tell us. But all the way back in 2007, they were all there storming in the game. I'm yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. going on. Well, go ahead, John. You were going to tell us something. You were going to say something about. Um, yeah. We're, we're I, wanted, I guess have I wanted to say that in a few minutes. The, so, the one thing um, that I've why don't you tell us to sort of wrap up huh? what you wanted to, us to know about the film and then um, remind people of ways we can help to make sure this film gets out there and that you're positioned well for the next project and, and what what um, we might be able to do to help. Absolutely. Okay, so um, Child's Voice Today is available only on Vimeo On Demand. It's, uh, it's being rented, so you can stream it for a 72-hour period for $3.99. Download it. You can own it forever for $9.99. And I know a lot of people are doing more downloads than they are streams because they want to share it, do watch parties, uh, get their friends and their family I am 110% behind that. I think that's fantastic. That's this a great is a idea. conversation starter. This is something that we need to get out into the public, as many people as possible. If you are not able to watch it, if you're not able to afford it, doesn't matter. Send that link out uh, to your friends. Email, social media. Uh, you can connect with me on Twitter. I'm at no restrictions. You know, if you want to, if you want to send me a message, I will read them. I will respond to them as I can. Um, the most important thing is that we keep talking about this issue to advance it, not so that there is despair, but that there is a message of love in this movie, which is reflective of each and every one of us. If we, if we grow up, if we as parents, if we as adults, if we as teachers, if we as aunts, uncles, good ambassadors of this earth and our human family, realize that in order to defeat this problem, Permanently is to understand that creating loving, rational, healthy children who grow up in a world with imagination, using them, and listening to the, the values that are instilled in them through acts of kindness and love, not preached, given, shown by your, your actions, the care that you give to your children, to hug them that much more, to let them know that they are loved. If we do that, each and every one of us does that part alone, you're talking about an entirely new generation of people that cannot be controlled, cannot be programmed, cannot be destroyed, because the love inside of them is so strong that they do not have a negative self-image of themselves. They will not fall victim to people telling them that they're not worth something. This is, and we can talk about all the, all the things that are being done about that, you know, try to lure people in. But that is the fundamental issue that you cannot destroy or make somebody betray who they are. Even with the most, look at parents 
who give their lives and sacrifice for their parents instantaneously without even thinking about the consequences to them. That's the society we need to raise. That's the one we need to lift up and empower. These few sick people over here, their time is coming to an end. And the only reason why I say that is because if you look back two years ago, what happened online during an election with the WikiLeaks and the Podesta emails, do you think that that is going to stop in 2020? Do you think that Joe Biden or anybody that gets up there, even if people don't know right away that people are going to dig into the associations and the connections and all the people that they have, they have taken money from and done business with and been hot in photos with, that that's not going to get passed around? We have now established a new baseline for not just among our group, but a growing contingent of people who are understanding the level and the degree of this problem. So we're going to do a sequel on this. It's going to be a bigger film. It's going to have, uh, it's going to have a, it's going to go to the global network. We're going to expand the story and the scope of it. The most important thing is anybody out there listening wants to help. We would love to receive your stories. We're going to be working with subject matter experts and survivors, and we hope that you will join us on that journey to help us make the next film. Okay, well, thank you so much, Paul, for coming on and, and alerting everybody, and I hope they will go and get that film because it sounds wonderful. So, we will thank see you, all you next for week. Me on today. Yes, have a great day. Okay, people. See you next week. Bye. Feel so helpless and confused Cause I hear screams